coming to you live from the Business Radio X studio in Woodstock, Georgia. This is Fearless Formula with Sharon Klein. And welcome to Fearless Formula on Business Radio X, where we talk about the ups and downs of the business world and offer words of wisdom for business success. I am your host, Sharon Klein. And today in the studio, we have the co-owner of a new mechanic shop in Dawsonville, Georgia. Um, A friend of mine, actually, who has been working on cars since he's been a teenager. Um, He just moved to Georgia five years ago and has now gone on a journey to open his own shop. And one of the co-owners of the shop, and his name is Presley Gray, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Dawson's Auto Care. Yes. I'm so excited for you. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a journey. <laughs> it has been. And I was just reading about you. I didn't realize that you had uh, started working on cars, really being such a young person getting into this industry. And you've continued on through different places that you've worked along the way. And one of one of the cool things about you is that you um, were working on a Tesla certified collision shop in Seattle. One of the few. Yeah. So when I was working, um, so I did come from Washington, um, the West coast, and there was two shops in the state of Washington that were Tesla certified. And this is when Tesla had first come out. Um, at the time they only had the Tesla Roadster, which was the original one. I think it was based off the Lotus actually, if I recall right. And then the model S which looks, uh, strikingly like a Maserati. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I was actually told by the owner of the shop I worked at that, uh, Elon Musk had gotten the, one of the designers from Maserati to design the model S and that's no why way. it looks so similar. Yeah. But so I got, cool. yeah. Right. And that just random facts right there. But, um, yeah, I got that job and there was only two. The other one was Bell Red, which is a shop between Bellevue and Redmond. That's why it was called Bell Red. And, uh, I think they were the only other, no, 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 no. it wasn't Bell Red. It was, um, accurate. Cause I actually wound up there too after that. That's right. Cause I wound up at that shop about a month afterwards. That was a different story. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we all have our twists and turns in our journeys, which is what the show is all about. It's one of the best things I think is being able to ask people the different things that they've learned along the way. And is there a lesson that you wish you sort of knew beforehand or you would have told yourself before you got started? And so that's, what's kind of fun is, is being able to say, what did you learn and what would you have done differently? And um, so I actually am interested in, in, why, how, how difficult was it for you to stay in, uh, the mechanic world when you got started? Cause I know 18, you're kind of still figuring yourself out. Did you want to do anything else? Or were you just like, I can do this. I can do this. Well, this is not where I'm skilled and talented. And that's how you stayed in this. In this so industry. what actually happened was, um, my whole family, not my whole family, but there's been a lot of people in my family that are just involved in the automotive industry. Um, I've worked on cars just because, you know, we kind of had to, when we were younger, we didn't really have money to go to shops and stuff like that. That's kind of how I learned primarily. But then my grandfather owned a shop in uh, Southern California in San Bernardino called the body shop. And my uncle had learned from him. My dad learned a little bit from my uh, grandfather as well. And my uncle lived in Spanaway, Washington, where I grew up. And, um, he, he took me under his wing when I was about, I think I was 13 or 14. I first started working with him and it was, um, just, you know, collision and stuff like that. And I've always done mechanical on the side, you know, kind of just my own stuff, done some side work. And then I got primarily into collision, um, because I, I became kind of fascinated with painting cars and customization and stuff like that. And, uh, where's I going with this? I forget. (laughs) We're talking about kind of how you got into the industry and you stayed in it. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. Squirrel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Most people do that too. Just so you know, you're not alone. <laughs> nice, that's funny. Um, 
Uh, what was I fixing to say? Oh uh, yeah, I just got into it. Um, my first job in an actual body shop because my uncle kind of worked out of a garage, just house. He had a shop, but it was mostly just car lot stuff. I was 18 when I got a job at an actual body shop, and I kind of bounced back and forth from the paint department over to the um, body side. And it's just something I, um, I mean this modestly. I was just very good at it, consistently better than most people around me, and that's how I kind of stayed in it. I made a living for myself. And um, it was just easy for me. So, But I think that's cool because a lot of people get started in their industry because it really does come out of the fact that, like, I had to figure this out. I didn't have anybody to help me. I had to learn. And then that's such a valuable skill, especially the pandemic, showing just how important it is to have a trade. And those were essential workers. Those were the people that were like, yes, we need you, obviously. you know. And I think that uh, just having that skill um, – is something that you know you're always going to have because you've got cars everywhere, you know, as yeah, time goes on. <laughs> it's always going to be useful. Um, but how cool is it that your family, you're kind of continuing on what your family's business has been? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And like I said, my family was mostly on the um, collision side and that's where I was. Um, I've always done mechanical on the side though, but you know, my, my um, primary career has been in collision. And uh, what Tom and I had done was we opened up a mechanical shop. It was actually originally supposed to be uh, body and uh, mechanical or collision mechanical. And what wound up happening was between the permitting process and space, you know, for a shop, cause I need a frame bench, paint booth, you know, measuring system on the frame bench and stuff. Um, it became too hectic. And I go, well, look, you know, here's the situation here. I can do mechanical. Um, we can do mechanical strictly now. And then eventually one day if we expand and grow, then we can open up a bigger shop and we can still do mechanical, obviously. And then I can step back into the collision world. So that's kind of where we're going right now. It's just, you know, right now we're in mechanical Dawson's auto care. Dawson's auto care. Okay. So Tom Bagby is your co-owner. My co-owner. Co-owner. My business partner. Business partner. Sorry. I don't know what to say. Okay. Business partner. So how did you all meet? So I moved to Georgia here about five years (laughs) Sorry, my kids are in the room with us. <laughs> I'm making the funniest faces right now. Okay. Um, uh, was I fixing to say? Oh, yeah. So I moved to Georgia um, just over five years ago, and I didn't have any plan over here because I kind of just – I if I say I'm going to do something, I just kind of do it, you know, wing it more or less. And um, I flew my kids down to Miami um, with the mother of my children, and they kind of hung out with her dad down there. And I drove across country, and I lived with my stepsister for about a week or two. And I wound up getting a job at a place called Auto Fitness. And then I got a condo and everything, and I flew my family up here. But basically, we restarted life here in Georgia. Um, All the way from Seattle. Yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. It was, mm. uh, it was a really cool drive, though, two and a half days. Let's just, <laughs> really cool drive. Let's just talk about the uh, faith that you have to have. That is beyond a lot of people's comfort zone to just sort of up and move all the way across the country, drive all the way across the country to set up a new life. So what... What was it that sort of do you think is unique about you that lets you have that sort of faith and bravery? I mean, I don't know if I would call it faith or bravery. Um, I mean, I I really don't know what you would call it. Kind of what happened was I said, you know, we're just going to do this. And that was the end of it. Mm -hmm. And I I have this thing. I don't know if you'd call it a mantra. It's just about not having a plan. I mean, because, you know, my whole thing is if you have a plan, you have everything laid out. You know, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. A, B, C, D, you know, all the way down the row. One thing gets messed up, the whole thing gets screwed up. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of built my life around not necessarily having a plan, you know, and it's not, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to call it chaos or disorganization because, you know, I I do have constants in my life, but I just, that's kind of how I did that. You know, I just said, hey, we're going to do it. And 
I have a very, very loose idea of how we're going to do this, and we just did it. So it's it more stressful to you to have a specific plan to way try to more, stick to. I'm the same way, I think. I don't Because, you know, life can just unfold, and sometimes when you are so strict with yourself and things don't turn out the way you want them to, it can have this um, negative effect that can make you not want to do anything. So, um, well, I mean, it's, it's really fascinating the fact that you were able to get this all, you know, a, a new life set up in a new city. Oh, yeah, yeah. Knock on wood. Everything's been going pretty mm-hmm. smoothly. That's awesome. So, all right. So I wanted to ask you some questions. <clears throat> Typically, um, what it's like to be a shop owner. I know that this is a new business that you've opened in Dawsonville, which is great. But what are, who's an ideal, your, uh, ideal customer for you? An ideal customer is someone that we've worked with before simply because, um, unfortunately, and I, I don't really know how, I don't know if there's a nice way of saying this, but a lot of shops are just extremely shady and extremely dishonest. Right. They, I get that. I mean, oftentimes they are. I would say um, one of the things that I think about being a woman is that, you know, I always wonder if they just look at me as like a dollar sign or, you know, you're not going to know anything. And sometimes I do fall victim to that. So Yeah, and that's actually a really unfortunate thing. I've worked in the office of shops before, and I've actually had to tell women flat out, you know, I, I've given my business card and they left. I mean, there was one... Um, she was moving to New York and her car was wrecked. It was like a key or something. I remember it was rear-ended and she didn't have time to fix it before she moved to New York. And I go, any questions you have? And I told her flat out, I go, I don't mean any offense by this. You're a female. If you go into a shop that's owned by men, they're probably going to try and take advantage of you. So just, if you have any questions, if you feel uncomfortable, give me a call. I can always spend some time on the phone with you and, you know, try and steer in the right direction at least. And that's why um, I'd say the easiest customer, the most ideal customer would definitely be someone we've worked with before because not trust is already there. You don't need to necessarily explain. You don't need to sell yourself. You don't need to true, convince them. True. And I do know that this is not just um, pervasive for women. It is for men as well, I'm sure, as customers. But just knowing that you have someone that you trust, that value in this space of mechanicking is so incredibly important because how would I know to say, no, that's not true, unless you go to several different places, you know, and who has time for that? Like, you really just want to be able to have the faith that someone is truly diagnosing and fixing your problem. Oh, absolutely. That and uh, competent mechanics and just technicians anymore are actually very, very hard to come by. A lot of people, you call them parts changers, or they just throw parts of cars and stuff like that, and it's going to, you have to diagnose. I mean, it's the same thing. I've made a joke of like, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm a car doctor. I'm not a people <laughs> doctor, you know. But if you go to a doctor's office, you can't just sit there and, okay, here's my symptoms. And they just say, well, it sounds like this. Let's just give this medication. No, you have to properly diagnose. You have to find out what it is and then treat it. It's the same thing with cars. You can't just, although you can. It actually happens <laughs> a lot. Um, but you shouldn't do that. And we do not do that. We properly diagnose and actually find out what the issue is. And then we address it. And that's the way it should be. I did some minimal research just on basics of what are some of the main problems that um, car mechanic shops have, you know, so that we could have interesting things to talk about. So I can ask you some questions. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks. One of them is, it's fascinating to me is because basically what it comes down to is that you are a problem solver. Mm-hmm. You know, you solve people's problems and help people. And obviously everybody wins. They get their car fixed and you have your business. And, and yet there are some pressures there that also come with opening your own shop and, and having, this timeline you need to, like you always need customers and you need to have volume. And so do you find that some of the standard problems that lots of other mechanic shops have, which are, can you fix this faster? (laughs) Or, you know, can you, can you fix this cheaper? You know, are you finding the same thing being a brand new shop or do you, are you having that same lesson of, I'm just going to let things unfold the way they unfold? Well, 
Hmm. Let's see here. The main thing. How would I answer that? It's a little bit of a convoluted way that I asked you that, but you know, I don't yeah. always have my questions for him so yeah. great. No, it's still the <laughs> I'm just trying to think of like I'm trying to. I don't know. Because isn't there pressure? There is pressure at this moment since it's new shop, right? Yeah. And then you want to prove yourself and be of value to the community. Absolutely, yes. Um, to an extent, I mean, yeah, there are a lot of customers out there we have not touched base with yet. Um, that being said, though, there are a lot, a lot of clientele I've already worked with and Tom as well, so people know who we are locally and you know, kind of outside of Dawsonville as well because he lives in Gainesville. Um, yeah, we just. Uh, I don't know. I was thinking that um, the fact that you have this new shop and you've you've worked in different places and you have these skills that you're bringing, obviously to your to your new shop. Um, what what are some things that you sort of wish you could have told yourself in the very beginning of this journey that you you know there are people out there that are listening that have always had a dream of doing something like this. So what would you want to tell them about their own? journey to go on what would you have wanted someone to tell you absolutely do not be afraid and don't second guess yourself that is the most important thing and there's so many things on cars you know so many people get intimidated by that don't understand they're afraid of opening a business they're afraid of money time you know they're afraid it's going to consume their life and it will if you let it but you just have to set bound well you have to set boundaries with your business you know basically you can treat your business as a person or an individual if you do not it will consume you I know it might sound ridiculous to say that, but you have to do that because if you treat it as just like an object, it will overrun your life and it will just cause chaos and mayhem. And you do not want any of that. I found that to be true for many people in the studio that have come in and talked about their business, how difficult it is for them to put boundaries around their time, their energy, their phone has to be off at a certain point. Otherwise, they'll never really feel balanced and get resentful. You know, well, you know, that's a funny thing because we have a cell phone for the shop. So we have a cell line and a uh, landline. Right. And uh, it was actually this week. <laughs> sorry. It was actually this week. Um, Tom had made a remark about like taking the cell, uh, the cell phone home. And I'm like, uh, you know, keep taking it home. And I'm like, no, dude, at six o'clock, leave it here. Do not take it home with you. Leave your leave the job here. Leave, you know, work here. And separate it from your house. Trust me. like You know what I mean? It's really smart because it feels like if you don't answer the phone, then you could lose a customer. That awful feeling of missing out. They'll leave a voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> they get a call back in the morning. Hooray. Yeah. Everyone listening. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how was it finding your space to open your place? You know, um, I know you've had a dream to have your own shop for quite a while. So finding the right timing and the right space, how was that for you? So that was extremely stressful. Oh, man. So um, this actually started back. I actually touched base with the landlord probably it was over two years ago. Um, And what happened was I want to say it was back in May of last year. So 2023. uh, He had given me a call back because he basically said, I'll keep your number. Um, You know, we touch base every, I don't know, six months or so. And nothing available. Okay, there might be something. No. Okay, cool. Thanks. Bye. And I was constantly looking. This was just for one business complex. I was constantly scouring the internet, talking to people. Is there anything available? There was nothing because after COVID happened, property price. Well, I think what happened, uh, I can't prove this, but I think what happened was there was a lot of technicians at shops, you know, a lot of um, people in businesses and stuff like that, corporations, you know, kind of just stuck under the corporate umbrella, you know, if you will. And what happened when COVID happened, a lot of people got laid off, but a lot of people were getting checks from the government. I don't know if you remember the whole thing. I do. Um, unemployment checks. Yes, I do. And that gave people a lot of freedom to do a lot of things. And I bet you a lot of people at that point said, you know what? I suddenly just found this confidence to go out and do my own business now. 
warehouse spaces disappeared. Wow. Oh, they just. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about it until I went to look for one in 2021. And then property prices shot up. And when I saw it was in Forsyth County, it was zoned commercial. It was one acre undeveloped. There has no water, no power, anything around to it. It was almost a million dollars. Oh, my God. And I'm, I saw that, and I was like, I mean, I know it's Forsyth County, but come on. I man. know, right? That's a little ridiculous to me. But um, where was I going with that? I don't forgot. What it was like to get your That's building. what, yeah. yeah. So I was um, – Alan, he's the uh, landlord of the business complex that I'm in right now. He touched base with me back in May, I think it was, and um, he had said, you know, there's – we're breaking ground. You know, it should be built. It should be done. You know, I think he said midsummer. so I was like, okay, you know – Construction's involved, third party. It's going to be late summer. Call Tom. We kind of stay in touch because Tom and I had um, Tom and I had been discussing for years. You know, because we got um, we had met at Auto Fitness when I got my job there, and that was the first job I had here in Georgia. And uh, ever since I met him, we just kind of became friends and we hit it off. And um, we were always discussing about having a shop. So I called him and you know told him, "Here's the situation." Yada yada. He goes, "Okay, we'll just keep him in the loop." And then what happened was. Um, you know, midsummer happened, wasn't done. Okay, it'll be late summer. Okay, you know, then it just kept getting dragged on, dragged on. And then it was September. And uh, we were promised to get in. It was early September. Then it turned to mid-September because, <laughs> I mean, just permitting and everything else. All the oh, things. Oh, everything. All yeah. the things. It was just one thing after another. And it was funny because I've been working out of my house for about, I think, two and a half years at this point, two years in my garage and uh it was just a two-car garage so you can imagine what that was like and that was not my plan at all <laughs> and uh what wound up happening was it was this building i want to say it was 1800 or 1600 square feet it was basically a rectangle you know a big shop door um a little back door and stuff like that and um that wound up getting drug through September. So Tom quit his job in, I think it was August or September. I think that it was September. That takes a lot actually. of faith, too. Think about that. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. yeah, no, we just pulled the trigger. I was like, we're doing this or not. And, okay, I guess we're doing it. <laughs> oh, my so, God. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot involved there. But that's why I said you just got to take that leap and just just do it. I mean, get the confidence if you really want to move forward and don't be afraid. That will help you the most. But um, um, what happened was it got drugged through September, then October, November, and then it was either late November, or early December, I get a phone call from Alan. And uh, this is an industrial complex. And there was multiple buildings. And the one that we were getting was new construction. Permitting turned into a whole thing. And I'm just like, dude, this is not happening right now. And we wound up um, actually trading buildings with the building we're in now that you've been to. And that actually worked out better for us because it was about double the square feet. And we got a better deal um, money-wise on it for rent every month. So it was like a, a happy... You know, even though it seemed frustrating at the time, it worked out better for you. Yes, it did in the in the in the long run, right yes. in the end. So yeah, we got into that shop, and finally, well, then it turned into a whole other fiasco. Of um, it was more permitting issues because we were going to install lifts in there, and then it just we had to actually. What happened was we signed the lease. It was I think it was between Christmas and New Year's we signed the lease, and then or maybe it was right before Christmas. Then we found out um, from City Hall that we would need a fire suppression system with you know water and then potentially water lines ran from the city water that was under Highway 53. We were quoted $150,000. And I was oh like, that's gosh. not happening. Yeah. And um, the fire marshal, I went to go talk to him. He was out sick with the flu. So uh, what happened was Tom and his family were out in uh, Missouri, or, yeah, Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, for the holidays, they get back, uh, I think it was New Year's Day or the day after New Year's Day, I forget. I think it was New Year's Day, actually. 
And uh, January 2nd, we go to the fire station first thing in the morning. And uh, the fire marshal's name is Jeff Bailey, super cool guy. But uh, it was funny. I see him. <laughs> he just got over the flu first thing in the morning. And I'm with her, good morning. How are you doing? <laughs> we need to talk. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I need answers right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, you know, explained the situation. And I basically started off by saying, look, I've talked to multiple people in the government. And he was like, well, unfortunately, you didn't talk to me. And I was like, I did not know I had to. <laughs> and um, he said, look. I just woke up. I'm trying to finish my coffee, doing this. I had the flu, and I'm like, I understand, man. I just need some answers here, you know? And uh, he wound up meeting us at the shop, and he just cleared everything. So, I mean, it was like it turned into a huge situation, and he cleared everything up in about half an hour. We got our CO the next day. Yeah, then we were able to finally move forward, getting the lifts, and we had to get the floor cut up and concrete poured and everything because it wasn't deep enough. But it was just one thing after another, but we finally got in there. Think about all that you had to navigate through, not just managing the um, understanding what it is that you need to do in order for the shop to open, but also managing your feelings around it. Like, did you not just want to give up at some point? So there, we actually had the conversation because we took loans out, loans on equipment. We took a huge money loan out to get the business started and everything else. We formed a new LLC and I actually closed down. I canceled um, my LLC I had when I was working out of my house and I opened up a new one under the same name, but it was a new one with Tom and I as joint partners on it yes. instead of a sole proprietor like I had before. So there was a lot of stuff we did and it got to the point where we actually had the conversation the week before we had met with Jeff Bailey, the fire marshal. And uh, we basically had the conversation of, so are we backing out of this? What's going on? Because I had also um, back in October of last year when, you know, a few months ago, I had essentially, I didn't shut down business in my house, but I stopped, you know, new clients more or less exactly. Unless it was like really good job or something like that. I kind of was just shutting everything down. So it put me in a situation, you know, and the whole thing was just like, it was coming to a head and I was like, this is not good. (laughs) But But you know how many people don't follow through, you know, it's like the safety, you know, that you could get a job anywhere because you're skilled and you're good with people and you have the experience to back it up, but you persevered. There's so many people that go to the tried and true and don't take that leap yeah. of faith. So it's like impressive that you did that. It's impressively of. It's impressive. <laughs> <Jeez>. All right. Dad <laughs> <Impressive>. joke. <laughs> <laughs> did you just do a, a dad joke on business radio? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you're not the first dad in the studio, so fine. But what I what I think is important too is what I often talk about with anyone who's in the studio is how important it is to surround yourself with good people. So what is it about Tom and you that just seem to work so well together and you were willing to take that leap of faith? So um, when I go, I guess, and just in life or whatnot, I meet a lot of people, talk to a lot of different people because I just talk to a lot of people. And there's very few people that I ever become friends with. Um, at Auto Fitness, there was a lot of people that worked there and other shops I went to. Tom was the only friend that I made at Auto Fitness, just like with um, John over at Poston. Uh, I didn't work in Poston, but I worked with them, and um, I just I meet certain people, and I just mesh with them. Um, Tom was one of them, and we just stayed friends here in Georgia. And, you know, he'd, one of the random conversations we had was he always wanted to have a shop, and I was like, well, I also used to have a shop in Washington. Yeah, you had the same dream. So you had had a shop before, and now you know, like, you want to do it again. Exactly, yeah, and it was just something we discussed. Of course, I was not really, because I essentially started my entire life over when I moved here to Georgia, so I couldn't just, like, oh, I'm just going to you know do this. <laughs> um, I had to, you know, get somewhat of a foundation set first, but... Um, no, Tom was, he's just a solid dude, you know, he's reliable. He's not, he never, he didn't have any, you know, bad vices, I guess, you know, so he's just a good guy and he's a good friend of mine now. So, so, um, what would you say it is about your personality that makes it 
like so satisfying for you to be in this industry? Like what, what makes you the happiest? Uh, helping people. I know that sounds corny, but that really is it. No, I mean, that's, it's a service industry. Yeah. You're helping, serving. Oh, absolutely. That and informing people. I mean, I'm sure you've probably seen me do this once or twice. Like someone asks a question and I'm like, let's, let's just go back to the beginning here. I'm <laughs> going to explain this whole thing to you. So you are extremely informed. That's actually probably one of my favorite things to do with customers, especially I come from the collision industry and the amount of stuff that I would have to explain about insurance companies made me happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're giving people, um, knowledge and knowledge is power in this way. You're giving people, um, tools and skills of their own so that they can not get taken advantage of. That's in the exactly future. it. Mm-hmm. That must be very like, um, I don't know, almost like a, uh, like a little bit, not anarchy, but a little bit of rebellion against the people who benefit from ignorance. Oh yeah. There's a, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> this can go off topic really quick. <laughs> So, all right. So, um, God, I don't know. Now I'm all distracted because I had a list of questions and now I don't even remember what they were. Okay. Um, who are your mentors? My mentors? Um, honestly, I would just say friends I've met throughout life. I mean, one of my best friends, um, he actually has Parkinson's, Dana Dieter. He lives in Georgia now. I met that guy when I was probably, probably 20, 22, 23 years old. And uh, funny story how I met him. <laughs> but uh, um, well, not funny story how I met him. Funny story how I found out he had Parkinson's. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I did not know. <laughs> I said some very insensitive stuff to him. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it was but you're still shop. friends. <laughs> yeah, it was in a bar shop, so it's okay though. <laughs> oh yeah, that was good times right there. But you know, people like that, and then you know, another friend I made. His name is Dan Duran, back in Washington. Still, it's just, and I've always hung out with older people, and they've taught me a lot. Um, my uncle, he passed away a couple of years ago. He was actually the one that got me into collision and cars in general. Um, he was a good guy. It's that sucked when he passed. Heck yeah. Yeah. But what's wonderful is, um, just knowing that you've got, um, people in your life for that long too. you know, long-term friendships and people mm-hmm. that are in the same industry as you, you feel like you can trust them because oh, you've absolutely. known them so long. Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, all right. So if you were talking to, um, I don't know, me and I were to come in, oh, wait, we also need to talk about the fact that you work on motorcycles, which is a big deal. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Anything with wheels, anything with wheels, <laughs> <laughs> anything with wheels and key. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm excited because I have motorcycle friends that I think would be really happy to have a shop up in Dawsonville that they know that they can trust this person. Heck yeah. Um, Even if it's far away, it's a, it's a nice ride out there. And there's a restaurant right next door, so you can hang out there if you right? want. Mm-hmm. We've actually already done that. <laughs> <laughs> have you really? Oh yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. So yeah, I think what's really cool is, is knowing that you've got, um, this history behind you, that's all part of your family. That's all part of your legacy and you're continuing it on. And then you've also got a perseverance side of you that continues to keep going, even though you've had many opportunities for people to tell you it's not going to work out. It's going to be too difficult. You just kept going. And now one of your motivations is to be such a helpful person in your community, not just Dawsonville, but anyone, but almost be an advocate for your customers. And I just, I don't know, all those things being put together feels like it would be such a successful venture for you. I mean, clearly you know how to do, um, you work on anything, but knowing that you have like such a heart for it and a, and a want for helping people is it's a, well, I was going to say impressively, but I'm not going to say, but it's like, it's, it's important because if your heart's not 
behind it, you can see that oftentimes you just don't have the will to stick it through when you have adversity. Oh, absolutely. And that's something I've actually ran into in multiple shops is there's people that are obviously in for money and that's it. They do not care about the customer. They do not care about the car. I mean, there, I, I can't even tell you how many arguments I've had where I've watched people. Cause like I said, I've my, uh, the majority of my career has been in the collision industry. And when you don't repair a car, right, we just call it hacking a car out or butchering it or something. And I just, I've said to multiple people, cause I will call someone out in a heartbeat. It's like, you know, someone has kids, there's a car seat in there. What are you doing? What are you thinking? You know, and I have no issue saying that that is <laughs> yeah, that's, that's ethics though. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, yeah. Cause stuff like that will get under my skin bad. Do you only work on standard regular cars? Do you work on hybrid cars like Priuses or do you also work on things like Teslas? <laughs> Nice. That was a nice one. I had to add the Prius in there. My favorite, the greatest car of all time is what I call it. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's an all right car. No, oh, okay. You can leave the studio now. <laughs> but no, yeah, we work on anything, but anything that has wheels and a key. I mean, that was. So it doesn't matter if it's like a Tesla were to come in, you're, you're fine. Yeah. The only issue there would be, um, I don't know what's changed since I was at that Tesla shop in Seattle, but Tesla is kind of a stickler. Right to repair laws have affected this. I just don't know how off the top of my head right now. But there are a lot of parts, especially structural and stuff like that, uh, they will not sell to you unless you're Tesla certified. Mm-hmm. Um, the Tesla batteries, back when I was working in Seattle, granted, this was this was eight years ago, I think. Yeah, about eight years ago. Um, they had to go to a Tesla service center to get the battery service. I don't know if that's changed, but yeah. Well, so what can I tell people um, or what would you want people to know um, about your shop? Or is there a way that they can get in contact with you if they want to come Come visit. So we are getting all of our, because we're brand new, we yep. actually have a uh, marketing agency that we hired, and they're building us a Facebook, um, I think Facebook, X, and then I think. Is it Instagram? Do you have to be on Instagram for business? They didn't mention Instagram, I remember, but I want to say it was um, Yelp as well. Oh, okay. So we're going to have those three right there, and then um, I'm getting a website built my friend Courtney right now, I don't know when that'll be done. Probably a week or two. Honestly, I need actually that ball is in my lap right now. I need to go ahead and get that one going myself, but we got all that stuff done. Um, I'm You'll not be pretty sure. good to go though. Like once those are all in place. <laughs> oh yeah, know? absolutely. So yeah, the, uh, the social media should be done next week and that'll obviously be under Dawson's auto care. Um, the website, I'm not sure because we have run into a lot of domains being taken. So we got to find a good domain name and then, you know, kind of go from there. That's a whole other aspect to business ownership, which I find fascinating because you can't just have your business and put up a, um, a, a billboard somewhere in town and assume that people are going to know who you are. You have to be able to stand out and compete. And part of that whole other side of it is, is social media. So how do you feel about all that? Is it a stressful thing? Well, the social media thing, um, I like to think of myself as having a pretty good sense of humor. So <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, I do know. <laughs> yeah. So I've, uh, I'm actually kind of looking forward to that because we had, it was like a consultation kind of phone call we had with the social media or marketer. I actually Social media marketing company. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was a lady we were speaking to and she had said, yeah, you know, really good ideas to make videos. And I was just like, yes. Awesome. Like <laughs> yeah. make reels and things. Yeah, kind of. I mean, just, you know, something like, Hey, we're tearing down this car. If you have this issue, this is what's wrong. Commonly misdiagnosed is this, but you know, I can, you know, deliver it in a very good way, hopefully. <laughs> so I don't know how I got on this side of TikTok. Well, it's cause I like cars, but I guess, but I'm on this part of TikTok where these shops, um, will have someone in there saying, 
um, hey, Presley, you know, what car is going to make it to 100,000 miles or what car is not going to make it to 100,000? And they get so many views. And I think what's awesome about that is it's giving customers an inside view. It's not just um, I have to be friends with a mechanic who I know is, um, I can trust. Every time I see something like that, I'm learning about cars from the inside and what what is the the reputation of cars and what to look out for? Like, what are the main problems that Jeeps have? And, you know, there's like a list of things that people will say. So um, I can see that being something that would work as well, too. And you're just, not that I'm telling you what to do, because I don't know. I'm just saying it's interesting. That's no, a good idea, though. I oh, mean, thanks. You're, yeah, it's definitely going in the right direction. And, you know, honestly, I'll say uh, as far as cars going 100,000 miles, <laughs> just, just change your oil. <laughs> that is the most important thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> I cannot stress that enough, actually. PSA, change your oil. So people don't? Is no, that the thing? that's actually, we just did a repair on a Kia for over $2,000 because it jumped time because they did not change the oil and it ran low. Wow. Yes. But you also do tires at your shop, yes. right? Yep. You pretty much do everything. More or less, yeah. So, okay. So do you feel like you've got almost all of your parts in place for you to be able to just take off? In other words, reference the Facebook page, like, do you have to have a website? Can't you just reference Facebook? Um, yeah, more or less. It's just, um, a lot of people and it's funny. I, I personally, when I look up a business, I honestly don't care about the website. Like I could not care less. It just, it's nothing. You I just want to. the information, right? Yeah. The phone number. Cause you know, I'll call someone or I'll just go there directly, but marketers, they are on it when it comes to websites. I mean, that has brought up more than anything. And I'm like, I don't, I mean, I'm missing something. Obviously, you <laughs> Maybe know? has to do with some of the metrics and the analytics that they can have um, with traffic. So I had a social media marketer in, in this, uh, on this show about a year and a half ago. <clears throat> and she had talked about how she is Google certified in understanding how to market. So she said that um, she can even tell whether a tablet or a phone or a computer is how someone got traffic on their website, Um, what time of day is most effective. Um, She was talking about like a tow company, a tow company. um, Most likely someone's going to be not on their laptop contacting the tow company. They're going to be on their phone because they need it because they're on the side of the road or what times. um, And then also being able to leverage that information so that you can market yourself in the most um, advantageous time period. That's actually really smart. I know that's the whole company. I'll give you their information in case you. Yeah, no, definitely. But yeah, I mean, maybe that's why websites are actually important that way. I'm sure Facebook itself has its, has its way to um, keep track of how many visitors you have on your page. I don't actually know because I have my own Facebook page for my own voiceovers and I don't even know how many people go to my page. I don't pay attention and I should because I could leverage it. I know, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a kind of a fascinating world to be a small business owner because there are so many things we can do on our end as opposed to having to hire, you know, big media companies that'll um, make logos for you and, um, and promote you. And I don't know, advertising wise, you can kind of do so much on your own. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's something to think about for sure. Actually. Oh, look at me helping you out Absolutely. on fearless formula. <laughs> Do you think you have a fearless formula? Oh no, there's silence. You're thinking. Um, no, because I'm human. <laughs> Do you feel the fear and do it anyway? Absolutely. That's a fear. If you didn't feel, formula. if you did not feel fear, I'm either going to call you a liar or there's something broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then you don't want to do business with those people. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm red not flag. afraid. Great. <laughs> what? What? Uh. 
Well, I really want to thank you so much for coming to the studio, Presley Gray of Dawson's Auto Care. And um, I'm excited and, to see where you go. And Tom Bagby in spirit. And Tom, Tom Bagby in spirit. And um, I'm excited to see where you all go. Um, and hopefully. You and I both. Yeah, I know, right? And hopefully in, I don't know, maybe a year's time, come back and we'll we'll talk about how it's been your journey of, of business ownership and the things that you've learned over the, that year, you know? I can only see positive things because, I, like I said, I think your heart being in it so, so deeply um, means that you're going to honor what's right and do what's right. And, and for me, that there's such value there that I know other people will be able to feel that too. Thank you. You're welcome. I'll put a link to to your website or whatever, not your website, your Facebook or whatever it is that you want. We'll put a link to it on, on um, the Business Radio X page. So. That's awesome. I really appreciate that. Sure. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to Fearless Formula on Business Radio X. And again, this is Sharon Klein reminding you with knowledge and understanding, we can all have our own fearless formula. Have a great day. Yeah.